We think, we think of the world we live in and the times we're in, and it's, it's certainly alarming as we see a shadow of things to come. Now, the signs given in Matthew 24 and 25 and other places in the Bible are about the return of the Lord to the earth, not the rapture. The rapture could happen today, but things are unfolding. Pestilence is one of the things mentioned in Matthew 24. And that's exactly what COVID is. Microscopic living beings, pest that uh, make us sick. You know, all the things the Bible talks about. I, I was thinking yesterday about all the things that are coming our way. We, we know about the microchip that's being implanted in the back of people's hands now already. Not by force of the Antichrist, don't fear. But when the Antichrist comes, he'll force people to take it or, be, or they'll be beheaded. But we do know, we see the unfolding of these things right before our eyes. I, I think of the, the globalism, the talk of a one world, and we're always talking about the United Nations. The United Nations is straight from hell. It's just straight from hell. Uh, clearly, God, uh, back, way back in Genesis, divided the nations when they were making this massive tower, uh, a tower that estimates are, are vary. We don't know how big it was. We weren't there, but uh, they, to, to, to have confused people with languages, this tower had gotten so big they'd worked on it for years. And God just divided the languages, and he's divided nations. And, and he, certainly Israel's a distinct nation. The globalism's another thing that is just not biblical. And, and we don't want a one-world government, a one-world currency, and a one-world leader. Thank God we'll be gone before all that comes. And I'm not pe preaching on that prophecy today, but we're going to look at a little prophet by the name of Joel, chapter 1. And in chapter 1 of Joel, you see the immediate judgment by locust. And then in the end of chapter 2 and following, we find there will be an eventual judgment upon Judah by the Assyrians who would come as locust. But to us, this is history. But to Joel, it was prophecy. And while God is good, and all of us know God is good, he wouldn't be good if he didn't deal with sin. And so we have to just be patient and trust God to deal with all the sin of the world and be patient. And of course, we want to be, to be patient with our sin as well. Amen. We want him always to judge others, but we want him to be patient because he's patient with us. And our text is about dealing with sinful Judah and, of course, dealing with the enemies of Israel who would deal difficult, who, who would be harsh with Judah, and God would deal with those enemies. At this time, it was the Phoenicians, the Philistines, the Edomites, and the Egyptians. But later, the Assyrians, 100 years later, would come in and surround Judah. And Hezekiah would just be at his end's wits to try to figure out what to do. And God would spare Judah, but then the Babylonians would come and of course, destroy Judah and the holy city of Jerusalem. Let's look at chapter 1. We're going to read four portions of verses. We're not reading from the Koran, but the Bible. Let's stand. The Koran teaches to kill Christians and Jews. This is God's word. We read from it this morning. Chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Hear this, ye old men. Hear this. In other words, listen up. Drop down to chapter uh, 1 and verse 5. It says here, Awake, ye drunkards, and weep. Hear ye this old men and give ear. Awake, ye drunkards, weep and howl. Then we drop down to verse 11. So we find we are to, we are to um, wake up and stand up and gird up 
in these next few verses. Verse 11, be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen. These are the farmers and howl, O ye vine dressers. Then down to verse 13, gird yourself and lament, ye priests, howl, ye ministers of the altar. Boy, the judgment is going to be complete. The drunkards and the priest and the farmers, the good people, the bad people, the hardworking people, the leadership will all be judged when Israel, or excuse me, when Judah would fall. God bless us to take a look in this book for a walk in this evil world, Lord. Help us to prepare for the week ahead, for the hours ahead, that we will be people of God following you, knowing that you're in control of the world and everything that goes on in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Joel's name means the Lord is God or Yahweh is God. His dad was, had the name of Pethiel, was, meant sincerity of God. And Joel lived at a time uh, when Elisha was alive, and they may have known each other. He was probably educated at the school of the prophets that Elijah had started because we know he's an educated man by his grammar and the way he writes. He was also a, a, a well acquainted with the geography of Judah and Jerusalem, knew the area well. Peter referred to him in Acts chapter 2. And there's many prophecies in Joel yet to be fulfilled. The Bible talks about a darkened moon, and I know people have tried to say that those are going to be fulfilled today, and they've, they had different dates set up for all those things to happen, and it didn't happen. After the rapture, those things will be fulfilled. But Joel here is, uh, re is talking about repentance and the important, importance of Israel to repent. And, of course, Israel and Judah, we're talking about them uh, synonymously. God desires repentance. We read that in 2 Chronicles 7. But I love James who says, mercy rejoiceth against judgment. God would rather be merciful. God doesn't want to spank me when I'm bad. He'd rather me uh, confess it. That's that Greek word. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And to what? Cleanse us. That's that word catheter. We stick the catheter and the yuck comes out. That's what happens when you confess. He'd rather you confess and get rid of the dirt in your life. All it takes is a moment to agree with God. It's not getting saved over again, but confess, 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 confess every day. And that'll restore your prayer life. He'd rather us confess and show mercy. But if not, he eventually will chasten us. So we look at these first four, four verses. He says, hear ye this, old Ben. Hear ye this, old man. Now, down in verse 14, he, he says that uh, in the last part of the verse, he talks about elders. He says, gather the elders. Same Hebrew, old men and elders, same Hebrew. Uh, and he says, the old men, the elders, the leaders. Now, remember what elders were in that day. They, elders would sit in the city gate and make decisions. When Boaz wanted to find out if Ruth were available, where'd he go? He went to the gate to see the elders, to see if they could look up in the records kept at the gate. Is she available? Has she been claimed? Because he wanted to marry her. And so he'd go to the elders. Look at Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 23. Proverbs 31, 23. Another mention of elders, the last chapter in Proverbs. <clears throat> Verse 23, that's her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. So the aged men 
Godly aged men were the leaders. They made decisions. And there's other verses I could share with you on that subject. But we know that here he says the elders here need to listen up. They need to listen up. Uh, there'd be no good memories for the elders, for the aged ones. You know, in Psalm 78, the elders were talking about the good old days, how it was good in Israel and how God had redeemed them. And they talk about crossing the Red Sea and all the things God did in the Holy Land for them. But the day is going to come where they wouldn't have anything to say because the enemy would come in and defeat Jerusalem and Judea and, and, and they would fall. And then what can you tell your children? Well, because of sin, you know, I... I talk, tell my kids, our country and the way it's headed, it's, it's frightening to me to see all the biblical fulfillment right before our eyes as we even talk as a country about globalism and uniting and doing things for the sake of all these other countries. And it's kind of scary, isn't it? And, and we know our money's going to fail and things are changing. And, 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 and so we don't have quite as good a, uh, things to say to our children as we'd like to say. We can talk about the past, but what about what will our kids tell their kids one day about this country? You know, they'll have to explain to them why, you know, they go into a bathroom and see someone who doesn't look the same as they do in the bathroom and, and all this goofy stuff that's going on. And that's what's going to happen to Judah and Israel as, as Joel is prophesying. They won't have a good memory. They won't be able to tell those good old days, the good old stories from the good old days. And so he mentions here uh, what's going to happen. The locusts are going to come. The locusts are going to come. And we, we study the locust. It's quite an amazing little critter. In the Holy Land, they can get, they can get up to five inches long. And they would come in massive swarms. In 1915, National Geographic reported a huge plague of, plague of locusts. In, in the late 1700s, Morocco was devastated by them. In 1960, or 1866, excuse me, the Holy Land was covered by them. And in the early 1900s, there was a swarm that wiped out the Holy Land. The only area it didn't wipe out was a small Jewish community. And what happened was, if you can study this, a whole, thousands of storks landed there and ate the locust and saved the Jewish farmers, which is probably the remnant of, of the people there today. I don't know, but think of that. And, and we go back to Exodus chapter 10. It was one of the 10 when Moses sent the plagues. And every plague Moses sent refuted one of the Egyptian gods. The sun god refuted by darkness. And it's methodical how God would send these plagues and just destroy the Egyptians' uh, respect for their own gods. But the, the locust of the past. Then look in verse 4 here of chapter 1. He says, That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left hath the cankerworm eaten, and that which the cankerworm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. There's, these are probably stages, we're not sure. In a moment, we'll look at Revelation chapter 9 about some future locust-like creatures. But in 1962, a swarm recently, uh, not too far, too long ago, a swarm 50 miles across, uh, 50 miles by 50 miles moved across Africa. They moved 400 to 600 feet a day. The locusts can lay 60,000 eggs in one square meter. So they just multiply, they grow. The Babylonian Talmud talks about the six stages of locust. Here we have uh, four stages mentioned, and we're not sure about all the details of the locust, but all four of these names used here, the Hebrew words, 
talking about the caterpillar and the locusts and so forth, all speak of gnawing, devouring, consuming. Some say, well, one stage is the larva, another the pupa, and another the flying insect. But again, we're not sure about all these things. We do know they're very aggressive, and the stages are progressive. Each stage is worse. And they're seen in the Bible as types of armies that would swarm as locusts, these massive enemy armies. And a hundred years later, the Assyrians, as we said earlier, would come as locusts. So he says to the elderly man, wake up. Now, I, I love aged saints. There's something in a church about uh, aged men. We're thankful for that. And always respect your elders. Elders are to be respected in church and in every, every walk of life. You have to respect age. And we could all say, been there, done that, have the t-shirt, right? But there's something about the wisdom of older men. I've always admired elderly people and I've always listened to them. And now I'm becoming one of them. And hopefully I can impart some wisdoms to a younger generation. But so he says here, there's not going to be any good memories for the parents, for the grandparents, for the elderly. He says, wake up and listen. Then in verses 5 to 10, no good grapes for pleasure. He says, wake up, ye drunkards. Wake up, ye drunkards. In verse 5, he says, uh, drink, drinkers of wine because of the new wine for it is uh, cut off from your mouth. And he says, you're, they're going to they're gonna weep and howl. Now, this is not repentance. This is a sadness because they don't have wine to drink. And they're going to just, you know, the vine dressers, no grapes, no wine. And you could imagine that in a day when it, it was so necessary to have beverages. In the Holy Land, there wasn't a lot of sources of water. And so they had grape juice and they had wine and they had plenty of things from the fruit of the vine. And all of a sudden, the vines aren't going to produce anymore. And, and they're going to howl and they're, they're going to be sad because of the loss of supply. They just do not have uh, what they need to have in society. And so they're, they're upset. He says, wake up. This is not repentance. Just sad their supply has run out. And of course, the enemy would take care of that. Then he says in verse 6, For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion and hath the cheek the teeth of a great lion. He's describing a, a, a locust or a critter, but he's actually talking about the people, the enemy people that are going to come. He says, wake up. Now go over to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. Jeremiah talks about horses coming as rough as caterpillars. It's hard to fathom in our world with all the pesticides we have and all the things we use to kill critters like this. We don't have this kind of a problem here, but the world does. And we, we think about critters that come in, insects that eat, and all the pestilences and we can't control some of them, but we know that we have a lot of stuff. I know I'm, I live on a little creek, the Chickamauga Creek, and it's, my son cut his foot one time and he got a terrible infection in his leg. And the doctor said the problem with Chickamauga Creek is all the pesticides from farms that wash down into the creek cause it to be polluted. There's no sewage in the Chickamauga Creek. There is in the Tennessee River, I hate to tell you that, but uh, there's, there, there's none in the Chickamauga Creek. And so it's just a matter of all these chemicals to fight, uh, that the farmers use to fight all these insects, these pestilence. Well, locusts were a problem worldwide, and there's still a problem in many parts of the world. But look at chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. And this is interesting because 
we think about locusts, and here we have some locust-like creatures, but they're pretty massive. He says in chapter 9 of Revelation, beginning in verse 4, <clears throat> we're talking about the seven trumpet judgments. And, of course, these are taking place in the tribulation period. We don't fear them now. As I said, we see a foreshadow of things now. But he says here, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass. Let's go up to verse 3. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And none of them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have a power. And they were told here, and I'll paraphrase, not to hurt the grass or anything green, but only hurt men which don't have the seal of God in their foreheads. Just go after people who don't know the Lord. Boy, I wouldn't want to be a sinner in the tribulation time. These locusts that sting and harm people are going to come after the sinners. It says, as given to them, they should not kill them, verse 5, but they should be tormented for five months. So five months of these things. One of 21 judgments in the tribulation period. Three sets of seven. And it says, verse 6, And those days shall men seek death. They won't be able to die. God won't allow them to die. They're just going to be tortured. And the shape of the locust, verse 7, is like unto horses prepared in a battle. Their heads were as it were crowns of gold, and their faces were as faces of men. And they had hair, and the hair of women, and their teeth were as teeth of the lions, and they had breastplates. Here are these armored creatures that come, and they come, it seems that God sends them straight from hell. They had power to hurt men, verse 10, for five months. And, they had a, and the Bible said they had a king over them, which is an angel from the bottomless pit. Now, we don't believe these are simple, simple creatures that we have in the world today. These are some supernatural beings that will harm people, harm them so much they'll want to die, these locust-like creatures. And they're leaders from the bottomless pit. <clears throat> wow. God's going to protect those that get saved in the tribulation, but not those who don't believe. The tribulation is all about getting Jews to come to Jesus. And Jews are going to suffer greatly. Many Jews thought during the time of Hitler that that was Jacob's trouble. That's what they thought that was because six million of them were killed. They thought under the Russian czars, maybe that was the tribulation period because of all the Jews that were killed. And now we see in 48, where they came from 100 plus nations, they're a powerful nation now. God spared a remnant, and one day they'll be saved. So here, no grapes, the drunkards, he says, wake up. And he says, no good crops for profit, ye husbandmen. He says, stand up. And he says that in verse 11. Back in our text, chapter 1 and verse 11. Be ashamed, ye husbandmen, and howl, ye vine dressers, and all the crops. The farmers aren't going to have crops. It's not only that they won't be able to sell their crops to pay their bills, they won't have food to eat. I mean, this is going to be a, a terrible time for the nation of Judah and Israel. And, it, you know, they, they were spared at this time, but 100 years later, they were not spared. And we know eventually the Babylonians would run over Israel. And we think of, of, of here the, the, the nation of God. The people of God, no crop for the farmer, no fruit for the vine dresser. Terrible, terrible times. And do you know that same thing's going to happen in the tribulation period? There will be a shortage of food worldwide. Globalism will take countries that are in abundant in food like Israel and America and we'll be sending them all over the world because our leader, the Antichrist, 
Uh, we'll demand the mark of the beast and we'll have to use our microchip. We're not here. I'm pretending I'm not a believer now. Use our, our microchip in our hand and get it on our bank tab and that little microchip will read, read and, and the products we buy and, and all of a sudden there'll be less and less. And, and the world will all be the same. It'll all be in a mess. Thank God I'm a Christian. I don't have to go through that. I don't have to go through the tribulation period. But that's what it's going to be like. The one world government where money fails and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast, <coughs> the 666 is what we call it. 18 numbers is what it's going to take to, to number all the people in the world. 18. Everyone's going to have 18 numbers in the back of their hand. Think of that. That's all going to be fulfilled. We don't have to worry about it. Global warming will happen. Yes, all these things. And again, here's prophecy for Israel, but we know eventually these same things will happen to America. Uh, blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. And the Bible said sin is a reproach to any nation. And yesterday with our special day on 9-11, I, I, I you know, I watched enough of it and, and a lot of it was very touching. And then there were political statements made that agitated me. One person said they were really bothered after that how many Muslim people were persecuted. And I thought, you know, I'm against persecuting Muslim people. But this day is not about the persecution of Muslim people. This day is about the murder of 2,900 Americans. And so it agitates me. And then I have to pray, God, help me not to mention political names in the pulpit and get involved in party politics and all that. But if you're a Christian and you're watching the news, you're bothered. You're bothered because we see this one world government and these things that are going to happen to America and happen to other countries. And, and the downfall is, is on its way. I just wish the rapture were today. I'm ready to go. And uh, I don't have to pack any bags. God doesn't need my bags. He's got plenty for me. He'll clothe me in a robe of righteousness. Amen. And I'll have a place. And so we have here uh, no good crops in, for profit. And, and then in verse 13, no offerings for peace. Gird yourself and lament ye, priest, howl. Had a leader in my life used to say everything rises and falls on leadership. And that's an important statement. And that's so true. You know, if our church is going to be what it ought to be, our leaders need to stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not on our pocketbooks, not that we are here, not on the wrong things, trying to please the world. We need to please the Lord, please the Lord. And we have so much to be thankful for. Why would we not want to just please the Lord? Just live for him. But the priest had, had failed. They should have sounded the alarm, but didn't. And preachers today should sound the alarm, but don't. I was listening to a program this morning. The guy mentioned all the different churches and the different, uh, you know, different world organizations that used to one time stand for God and now don't stand for anything. They stopped sounding the alarm. I was reading this week Harvard's Laws and Precepts, how each student is required to read his Bible twice a day and to realize Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. That's Harvard back then. It's not Harvard today. And we know that in, as, as time goes on, churches will stop preaching. People will stop living and loving God because the world and all the oppression of the world and, the, and all the things that will come upon the church, there's going to be a falling away. That's a word apostasy. And that's coming. It's already happening. 
No, this is not the tribulation will be taken out first, but it's all on the way. So he says to the priest, he says, lament. Uh, a whole book of the Bible, Lamentations, was written because Jeremiah wept and wept and wept because his country and his city fell. You know, and we should love our country to not want it to fall morally. We should love our country. So he says, gird yourself, priest, lament, howl, that's inward pain. He said, call an assembly, verse 14, sanctify, call for a fast. Stop eating. I tell you, that's something I could just preach. Stop eating. Pray instead of eating. A fast is just drinking water and praying. We have an abundance and we eat too much and we ought to fast and pray once in a while. And the priests back then were told to fast and pray and call a solemn assembly. That's our uh, ecclesia. It's a called out group used for the church. The synagogue was the fulfillment of that prior to the church. But uh, churches need to today do what they were told to do back then. Fast and pray for our country. Don't get involved politically. Don't argue politics. Vote and pray. And the greatest thing we can do is win people to Jesus Christ. That, that's our calling. In fact, we know the New Testament says judgment begins at the house of God. Judgment begins with us. Why is America in the situation she's in today? Because we fail in the Great Commission. Quiet here, but isn't that true? We don't want to admit it, but we fail. Our main obligation for being here is to reach people with the gospel. And that's what happened to the priests. They stopped standing for what was right and stopped doing the right thing. And Judah was headed in a downward spiral. And today we've gotten away. We've gotten away from preaching the simple truth. And I, I've, I've been amazed, and I'm not against, I'm not against uh, taking care of pastors, but I have friends that pastor that are millionaires and live a luxurious life. And I think, you know, we've just gotten away from the purpose of Christianity. It's about reaching people for Jesus. That's why we're here. We're not here to make a, a, a big retirement and build a big house. We're here for one purpose. That's to glorify God, to lift up the name of Jesus. And we've gotten away from that. And so he's saying to the priest, You're, you howl, call an assembly, have a day of prayer, because the day of the Lord is at hand, verse 15. And I'm here to say to you, the day of the Lord is at hand again. The day of the Lord is never in Scripture a good day. It's always a bad day. It's always a day of judgment and judgment's coming. But unfortunately, we have to admit it begins with the house of God. We have failed. We have failed to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even verse 18, how do the beasts groan? Romans 8 says all creation groans. Why? Because of sin. Sometimes I'm asked a question. Pastor, why, why does someone who's innocent suffer? Why is a child born without arms? Why? Why, Pastor? Why does it happen? If God were a God of love, would that really happen? Yes, it would. Because the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. And we know that God loves mankind. He sent Jesus to die for him. But think of the curse. Go way back to Genesis if you want to know why people suffer. Way back in Genesis with man's sin, what happened? 
everything was cursed. Everything was cursed. We have these little beetles that get on our rose bushes. We call them Japanese beetles. When I lived in Japan, we call them American beetles. And they eat the rose bushes. And I go up and I pinch them all the time. I'm pinching them, killing them. They're part of the curse. They're part of the curse. Beautiful rose. You got the thorns and you got the American beetles or Japanese beetles. And, and you know, we have all these diseases. It is getting worse and worse. And as we get older, everything hurts. You wake up in the morning and why does my knee hurt? I didn't fall yesterday. And then you go to church and one elderly person comes up as sweet as they are and they give the organ recital. Oh, my gallbladder. And that organ and the other organ, you get the whole organ recital and you think, oh boy, this person's got all kinds of things wrong. Help me get away from this conversation, Lord. No, really, we're supposed to be compassionate, but we know that as we get old, our bodies break down and things start to go wrong. It's all part of the curse. Don't blame that on God. We can blame it on Adam and Eve, but all we like sheep have gone astray. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us is filthy in the eyes of God unless God sees the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. So we see all the things in this world that are wrong. And we question why does a loving God do that. Well, he doesn't do that. He allows for it to happen. You know who the angel of death is? <laughs> you, know, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ conquered death at Calvary. I mean, at the resurrection, he conquered death. And, and he wants everyone to have everlasting life. The Bible said he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. As, as much as we want to see China go down in defeat, or as much as we want to see, you know, certain sinful groups of people be judged and all that, we have to still remind ourselves that judgment begins with the house of God and we need to start doing what we should do. Again, I'm getting back to the same thing I said earlier. We need to witness for Jesus Christ. That's how to change the world. When you have someone who believes all that mess and all that junk, and you argue with them politically, you're wasting your time. If you're just sweet and kind with them and tell them about Jesus, just say, you know, God loves you and wants to save you. And if they come to know Jesus Christ, what is going to happen to their political views? They're going to start to think more and more like God because the Spirit of God moves in them. So don't, don't worry about all the politics of it. Worry about people's souls. And if you can repeat yourself in one person, if you can disciple one person and teach them everything you know in your life, you will have accomplished what God wanted you to accomplish, the Great Commission. And if everybody would do that, we'd be finished. You say, Brother Dan, you, you get back to salvation and the Great Commission all the time I do. <clears throat> because without Jesus Christ and his salvation, we'd all go to hell. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're headed to hell. And you're already condemned, the Bible says. You're already condemned. It's just a matter of time before you go out into eternity because of your sin. But Jesus, amen, the gift of God is eternal life. Thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ who offers us salvation. He says, if you repent of your sins, I'll forgive you. I'll be your substitute on the cross of Calvary. Jesus saves. He still saves. 
He saved me over 50 years ago. He still saves today. And I know that God still has us here because the Great Commission is not finished. Our work is not done. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I know that you have always sent prophets and preachers to warn us. And Lord, your word is abundantly clear that we are to wake up and realize judgments on the horizon. The good old days are gone, but we can make these special days for the unbelievers by telling them that Jesus saves. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who's never trusted Jesus Christ, today they could be saved. Lord, by coming forward, we'll have someone take the Bible and show them how to be saved. If there's anyone here that needs to come for any other reason, our altars are open. Just have your way in each and every heart today. Help us to remember the words of the prophet Joel as we leave and as we go home to remember throughout the week what our commission is, what our calling is to preach the gospel to every creature. We pray these things in Jesus' name.